Hello, everybody, and welcome to a special episode of the Project Infinite podcast, the podcast covering the infinite and ever-expanding multiverse of fandom from movies, comics, TV shows, video games, water, Pandora. <laughs> We've got you covered. I'm Rob. I'm here, as always, with Court. And Court, um, we just got done seeing Avatar Way in the Water, and we just wanted to hop on and do a quick little non-spoiler review for those of you who haven't seen it. And, uh, man, <laughs> it was crazy. <laughs> crazy i think is an understatement is that my new catchphrase is saying things are understatements <laughs> is that a catchphrase it might be who's to say <laughs> however um, this yeah. movie this was definitely a film yeah um yeah so i mean i had you know i was confident as as we both have been over the past however long we've been talking about this movie that it was probably going to be good and but i mean there was that little kernel in the back of my mind like was was i like hopped up on nostalgia for the first one like was the first one as good as i thought it was even after seeing it again how however long ago that was that we saw it um so i was like is this gonna be kind of a bummer like a letdown like is this not gonna be what it was and uh happy to report (laughs) um no this movie was absolutely fantastic uh it improves on the first one i think in every fathomable way that it could have um this movie had a lot of heart um which i think the first one could be lacking at times and there were clear personal stakes in this movie that i think the first one might have been maybe lacking a little bit. I mean, for all the people that said, like, the first one had no real story, I feel like this one gave us a story, um, gave us definitive character arcs for a multitude of characters, and just, I mean, the visuals alone. How do you improve on that first one? You do this. You do this one. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, the biggest thing I took from that is is narratively. I think this is a, this is a dang good story, and this is a story that people are not only I think going to enjoy, but more more or less, I think this might be a story that people really resonate with. Because at the end of the day, this is simply just a story about a family, and it's not Dom Toretto's family. <laughs> but seriously, this is this is a story. It's a good story about a family and what you do to keep that th- family safe. There's a lot of through lines about you know the father and what the father's role in the family is supposed to do as the protector. That's really really a strong theme, and I think they play on it really well. I think this is probably the best Sam Worthington has been. Period in his career, um, he's the most resonant, and I think a lot of you know people that have children and a lot of men that have children are going to kind of look at his his role and look at what he kind of portrayed on screen and kind of, you know, connect to that a bit. I really enjoyed him. Uh, Zoe Zaldana, obviously, it was amazing as Natiri. She's her connection to this world, I think, is was the one of the best parts of one. And she kind of doubles down on that. And two. Um, but I think my MVPs might be these kids. These kids are yeah. really, are really emotionally resident. Um, they go through trials and tribulations. Like you said, they go on arcs and specifically his younger son goes on the, he's, he's the main character of, yeah. of this essentially. So if you want to look at the story from his perspective, he goes on an arc, he goes on, he goes on this arc of discovery essentially. And kind of, you know, I love how, I love how impulsive he is. I love, I love characters that make mistakes. I love characters that are headstrong because it, it makes them feel more real. Like things that everybody says they won't do, they'll do it. And he's one of those people that'll do it, but it pays off. It pays off for him big time. Yeah. I totally agree with that point. Um, there's a neat kind of parallel to, um, the two boys, uh, in Jake's family and Jake and his own brother, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Whereas it's, 
it's a really interesting dynamic where Jake is kind of favoring the son that his brother kind of was, right? And the son he's kind of, mm-hmm. you know, distancing from is the, the, the son that he was. Yep. The one that, you know, wasn't kind of built to, to be where they are. Right. But... Um, end up rising to the occasion, rising to the moment, which I thought was really cool. Right. And you want to talk spectacle. This really is the... December's a battleground, essentially, for the blockbuster. It's really something that can hold. Usually, the December blockbuster is the one that kind of brings you into the next year. So, this being the last place, I know Star Wars usually takes a lot of time in December. That's usually a big piece, but I think this is the perfect blockbuster to the end of the year. What a great gift for this holiday season, because I think James Cameron delivered on every aspect. I was listening to some interviews that he was doing yesterday, and it's his. it's not only his... It's not only his, you know, love for this world, it's his resolve for this world, I think, is the best defining quality about him. He He's relentless in this and building this world and kind of transporting us somewhere else. I mean, this movie plays around with frame rates, and then every technical aspect is so tight, it's so clear. You can sp- you can tell there was time spent on it. I just saw uh, a clip of the kids from this movie when they were actually kids, and they're not only, only the... His, the youngest daughter is still kind of a kid, but the rest of them are all adults now. And it's kind of crazy to think because five, they, they started filming, I think five years ago and they've all grown up, but at the same time, they kind of, you know, made sure that they made sure that everything was still so locked in and nothing was lost in translation through a pandemic, through, you know, delays, through having this movie come out 13 years after the original, everything still feels like that world, but it's just, it's this enhancement, but it's this enhancement through heart. I think that's the best thing I could say about this movie. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I think, you know, at, at this point in time, what he what he's done with the visuals is he's he's mastered it. Mm-hmm. He's mastered the art of cinematic visual visualization at this point. Like, I really don't know how you can improve upon what he was able to do. I mean, like you said, toying with the frame rate almost felt like a flex at this mm-hmm. point. Like, he was just like, let's just see how this goes yeah. almost kind of because yeah. like every other aspect of the visuals was just flawlessly right. executed. Yeah, and I think. I think the point I made to you was what it I what it's supposed to invoke to me is like that national ge- geographic feel and that just adds to the realism essentially if you will like the idea of putting the frame rate at that like either to 48 or to 60 I don't know what he did but it felt like 60 yeah it felt super like if you were to slow it down the slow motion would be really clean so I think the the point was to have it feel like you go on those national geographic and you go go on go on on the channel and you just look at any random thing and the feel that you get from that, like being immersed in the water is essentially what we were, but this, yeah. this movie's got so much, so, so much art to it. It's got all those things you thought you were missing in one. You get times 10 in this movie, even more than some movies that have come out this year too. So, um, this story is emotionally resonant. I think so many people are going to connect to it. Um, I even want to talk about the theater experience too, because that theater was packed and I know, packed? and people said, I'm not sitting in a theater to watch a three hour movie people were in that theater to watch that three and we don't live in a big we talk about this all the time like we don't live in a big kind of area so for that theater that we go to to be packed you know save maybe like the front front rows even um, the front row had people in it like there were people there like the whole back section was almost completely filled and And engaged engaged the crowd was engaged especially as we built towards you know the third act of the film which obviously we're not going to talk a ton about but we talked about this with Top Gun Maverick about people being engaged in the final act of the movie and people were engaged in mm-hmm. this in this third act in yeah. a way that 
you know, I can't remember back far enough to 2009 mm-hmm. uh, when this first one came mm-hmm. out. But, uh, you know, I can't remember how engaged people were then. But people were locked into this one, yeah. I'll tell you that much. No, it's it gives me hope for, for the movie-going experience outside of, you know, outside of superhero movies. It gives me genuine hope and genuine, you know, looking forward to next year to see some of these bigger movies if we can get the same type of turnout and start to get all these movies to be seen in theaters. And I mean, this is a three-hour-long movie, but people are still invested two hours, 2.15, 2.30 into this movie, all the way up into the to the, to the the weekend song that plays at the end, <laughs> which I wasn't expecting. Yeah, people were majorly invested. I mean, in, the, in those payoff moments that you mm-hmm. often get in a third act of a movie, people were applauding, yeah. were cheering. People were, there were cheers, there were claps, there or cries like this movie genuinely had everything yeah, in, in it too. In, in a movie that you know, in movies that usually don't invoke those sort of things in crowds, besides the Marvel movies, right. honestly, um, I was a bit taken aback by you it. You know why? I think it's because it's earned. This one genuinely feels earned in that third act because you can definitely tell in the first. 20 to 30, it was a feel-out. You can you can kind of read a crowd, so I think it was type uh, really a feel-out, and what's not the testament to a good movie, to an, at least a good movie if people aren't engaged in your third act. They win you over. Yeah. The movie, you know, yep. the movie wins you over. Yep. If, you, if you're, you know, if you're there specifically just for kind of like the visual spectacle, um, I think by the third act, you, you're you buying into the story yeah. and you're buying into the characters because, um I think people will probably say the middle bit jags a bit, um, but that's all. It's all. It's all done purposefully yeah. to to build to all those moments in the right. third act. That because the third act ostensibly becomes a giant action set piece, um, right? Involving all these characters that we've seen right. to this point, and you're seeing and you see the culmination of all that character work that was being done in the middle that some people might interpret as slow, but the payoff is in that third act when you get all those kind of big moments for each of these characters really gets yep. kind of a big moment in the final final act of the yeah. film. Yeah, that final act really kicks it into overdrive. It, it understands what, I, again, I think it's, it understands the grandeur of the situation, but it doesn't portray any emo- any emotion. That's the that's one of the biggest compliments I can give. There's there's not a second I don't feel for any of these characters, any of them, um, during this third act. There's there's big payoffs, like you said. There's big there's big pieces where characters get to go- do cool things, but at the same time, I'm genuinely scared for these characters, and I'm genuinely feeling that I want them to make it out of this. Yeah, ex- yeah, exactly. You nailed it right on the head. It was just. All these, you know, it it caught me off guard in a sense that, you know, Jake and Natiri kind of take a backseat mm-hmm. through much of this right. movie. Right. And I think that's that's a great decision. It's a decision you yeah. don't think is going to happen, but I think it's the right decision because in his youngest son, Loak, in his, in his story, like, he needs to be essentially the main character of this story and let his dad be kind of, you know, the older sage. I love what they do. And it's something, you know, who I really wanted them to do this with, but I don't, we might get it. I don't know if we'll get it. It's, it's Ant-Man in the MCU. Like, Jake Sully easily could have went the other way and still been like the bumbling idiot. He's not anymore. He doesn't even have that. I love it. this idea of the father in this movie is so well executed through him. And there's even more to that, which we need to save for the spoiler. There's that that father that father theme is 
present. It's probably one of the three big themes of this movie, and we we can't even talk about the other half of it yet. But his half of it, he he handles extremely well. Like I said, this is I think the best Sam Worthington has been. Period. Um, I think it's because he's much calmer in this, and I love how he treats his kids. He treats his kids like, and Natiri needs to check him from time to time. Like he does treat his sons like soldiers, but he kind of needs to. Like he still is on this alien planet that's hostile. Like I gotta treat my sons like generals, but you can tell he really is fond of his kids. He really cares for his kids as as ever mad he can be. That's an incredible point about his brother. Like Loak, he sees himself in Loak, and he doesn't want that. He wants better for him. But at the end of the day, that's what makes him Jake, and what makes his brother his brother is not them being the same. It's them being different, even though they're twins. It doesn't matter. Yeah, and I I think you know obviously this again. I mean the plot isn't overly complicated, much mm-hmm. like the first one. But it, you, I think people mistake the idea that you need a complica- a complex plot for it to be good. But sometimes you just gotta show us what you're showing us mm-hmm. and make it pay off. Yeah. At the end of the day, like if you can execute a relatively simple plot really, really, really well, it shouldn't matter how complex it is mm-hmm. at the end of the day. Like right. just give us what we're expecting. We don't need big twists and turns. Like you're clearly building to this thing, build to it and execute it. And you got yourself a hit. Yeah. And that's what I think this movie does. I mean, there's some interesting world building stuff. There's yeah. some, a lot of interesting lore stuff that happens, but as far as like the plot itself is not, not something we haven't seen before as far as like the, the reluctant kind of not the formerly reluctant kind of warrior, like laying down his sword and right. just wanting to take care of his family before he gets dragged into one more big battle. Like yeah. that's, that's essentially what this movie is. Mm-hmm. And again, like I said, like you kind of get a sense of when it's all going to come to a head, but when it does, it's super satisfying. Right. And, the villain of this movie, uh, I don't even think we can talk about the villain of this movie, but it's it's fun. It's fun. It's it's a bit crass in a good way. Like it it is your your prototypical villain that Stephen Lang was in the first one. It's still the same concept, but there's there's a little more to it this time. I think this movie handles subtlety infinitely better than the in the last one. And I'm not talking subtlety in like you know the just certain little moments. It's it's subtlety in like. The way that people don't deliver these big, like, these big summer blockbuster lines, like, just calm yourself down a bit and make you feel it a little bit more, like somebody normally would say. Like, it's things like that that, t- that typically pay off a little bit better. So, um, the villain in this movie, it's, it's, it's just a cool, dumb villain, but it's, there's, but there's more, and I appreciate when there's a little bit more. Yeah. And it didn't need to be much more. Like, nope. again, like, it's James Cameron comes from a very old school, yeah, you yep. know, kind of building block where like the villains don't need to be overly complex as long as they're good antagonists. Yeah, yeah, and that's what this is. The iceberg was the antagonist for one. <laughs> the T one thousand. Well, I mean, the T one thousand is probably one of the coolest <laughs> things that's ever come out. Just people always forget that this man directed Titanic and Terminator two. Like his resume is one of the best resumes you can ask for. He's got he's got loads and loads of movies. That that's why like you talk about that Mount Rushmore that I always talk about. Like of like the the post sixties era. I think James Cameron belongs on there. I still think it's Tarantino, it's Scorsese, it's James Cameron and Spielberg are the four. And I think James Cameron sneaks his way into that because of his the way he creates worlds, I think, is just something that's kind of awe-inspiring. Yeah, I totally agree. It was awe-inspiring is the right word. Like, yeah. Right from right from go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you're like, yeah. oh, okay. Wow. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> this is what this is. And right. then there's just certain we'll talk about it, you know, in the spoilers 
review later in the week when we kind of dive into you know our favorite moments and and scenes and like there's one specific one that's burned into my brain Mm -hmm. that um you know i i already can't shake so you know it's it's one of those things that just leaves a mark on you you know i talked about this a lot when we talked about the first one and how leaving the theater after seeing the first one like i know i felt something Mm -hmm. and i wasn't sure what it was but i knew i felt it and i questioned at the time whether i would ever feel that again because i really haven't since and i think i felt it i think i felt it a little (laughs) bit more leaving leaving this one like you know standing up after three hours but just at the same time just being totally awestruck by what i just saw yeah you know why i love movies man it's that sense of community that people don't i don't think i think about enough it's it was like when everybody rose like it's like one common thing that you feel and like you just can't explain that feeling but it feels right like i just love the fact that like it was one big diverse group of people in a theater and like yeah and there was like and we're talking age range like there were kids to like older adults in there like people that look like every type of person in there like you could stories like those are resonant because this story doesn't negate anybody from enjoying it or you know, connecting to it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I totally agree. I mean, sheesh. I, I, again, it's just unfathomable to me that this even happened. Like it's, it's, it's unlikely. I mean, when you talk about how long it's been, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the numerous delays, the, the ever inflating budget, I mean, you know, it was, you know, reasonable to, to question whether, like what this was going to be. Right. You know, and, and look at, look at, look now. Yeah. Look and now, I mean, yeah. you know, if, you know, out, cause you gotta like, even outside of us, like it's a, like a small bubble, right. <laughs> you know? So you have to wonder, like we love the first one, but like you have to wonder. And the first one made almost $3 billion, right, but like, yeah. is, is that still there? Like, is it like, you know, the, like the greatest trick the devil the devil played was present, like convincing the world he didn't exist like mm-hmm. did that first one have an element of that where like was this just one big visual spectacle and then like people will have seen it and then that's it mm-hmm. like are they really going to come back for the second one and I mean just based on what we saw in yeah. person um, based on stuff that's coming in early in it feels like yeah yeah People are people are interested in this again. Yeah. It's just a great example of transportation, like being transported to another world, like not thinking about any of your problems, but you can connect all your problems to that or anything that you're feeling like there's a through line for so many people in here. And I think that's super important. And James Cameron nails that. Um like I said, like he, I think he understood the the task and the tall tale of you know the visuals, the visual aspect of this whole thing. But I think that the thing that people should really focus on is how good of characters that he built for this. And I and I'm looking forward to what he does with these characters. I mean, Sigourney's Weaver's character is somebody that we need we a hundred percent need to save for the spoiler talk because what he does with her is super interesting. Um builds the world out. There's so much more to this world and all of this being incepted from his mind is just very inspiring as well for people that want to create stuff. It's just you look at George Lucas, you look at James Cameron, like you look at these people and uh, you talk about like guys like Tarantino, uh new modern modern you know master of this is jordan peele like 
people that are just going into their minds and then just finding stories and worlds out of their mind, I think is absolutely incredible. And I think they deserve all the credit in the world because making movies is one of the most difficult things and making the story for the movie is even infinitely more difficult. So, and he did all that and he doesn't have any intention to stop. And based off what Zoe Zaldano was saying and what he was saying, if you think this is good, like three and four are like, these are the those are the ones like those are the ones that are going to be like people aren't going to understand what's happening. Yeah, I mean, in hindsight, it just feels like the first whole movie was building to this one. You know what I mean? Like the first one did so much foundational work yep. for the for the world for the characters that when we got to this one, we felt comfortable in a way that we probably wouldn't have. And yep. you know, if this movie, if that first movie had a had a flopped. Um, you know, we might not even get this one. <laughs> you know what I mean? And at this point, I feel like he's kind of earned the the good graces to be like, man, if you thought the second one was good, wait till the third one. Because, you know, walking out, I think I said to you, I was like, yeah, I'm going to need that third movie. Like, yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I'm totally in now. So, man, it was, yeah, it was, it was special. Yeah. Special, I think, is the right word. I, it's just that feeling you get again. It's the, one of those things you can't put your finger on it, but when you feel it, you feel it. And I think a lot of people are going to feel that. I think so, too. I think this movie is, you know, just primed for a similar run that the first one had where, like, you know, it. I wouldn't say what it's opening to is, is meager by any stretch, but... I think this is gonna, I think this movie's gonna carry again, mm-hmm. just like the first one did. Um, I don't know if it's gonna carry to the same lengths. Yeah. Cause we, we talked about it when we talked about the first one, like just how absurd. Yeah. And I think it was, <laughs> that I think run the first was. one was an anomaly too. I think there's more movies, you know, I don't think there's any movie like this, but I think there's movies like, there, there were no movies like that, the one in 2009. There was no movies like that at, a, at the time. It's not only, like, the visual aspect. It's also that there's, like, blue aliens that you're following and, like, you're connecting to these people and you don't realize why. But this one, I think it makes it much easier. And, I th- and again, I, I think one of the lessons of 2022 in terms of movie going is sometimes simpler is better. I mean, you look at a bombastic movie, like, Everything Everywhere All at Once. Is it truthfully bombastic in the, in the production design and, like, you know, the lore building and the multiverse aspect, or is it just the simplicity of, you know, a mom and a daughter? Like, is that the thing that truth, I think that's, it's that thing of like defense, like offense sells tickets, but defense wins championships. Like your offense is your visual aspect, but your defense is your, is your narrative and your character work. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it's just like you said, like he's, 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 he's mastered it Yeah, at this point. Like Mm -hmm. he really has, like, I don't know what, improvements he could possibly make from this one to the third one but yeah there's specific moments where you're just questioning if he didn't just paint over people like there's a couple in the movie i genuinely like even when they were in the water there was a couple where i was like there's you can't tell me something's not swimming right now so it's incredible it's incredible what he was able to do yeah it really was um do you have any other things to say about the Oppenheimer trailer, because <laughs> Lord. So, guys, mark your calendars because January or July July, 21st. July twenty first might be the greatest day in cinema history. This might be the day that saves that saves cinema. So we're sitting in the theater, right? And lo and behold, the Barbie trailer comes on, and then it's just two thousand one: A Space Odyssey, which is insane. <laughs> and then Christopher Nolan said, "Hold my nuke," and then just dropped one of probably the best trailers I've seen in quite a while. That trailer was just had like my jaw dropped i think there's a reason why christopher nolan's one of the best i didn't want to leave this without talking about that oppenheimer trailer because 
but when that drops and like just genuinely like i do think that this might be killian murphy's like defining performance as an actor like obviously he's got peaky blinders but i think this one might be his film like i might be one of the best actors of my generation and i do think he is and i think he's gonna prove it on this one yeah there's this aura around oppenheimer i can't explain like that movie has something and the trailer feeds into that yeah kind of aura like it's yep I think it's this aura of, like, there's this, like, fear that goes, that's over it. Like, that, like, idea of, like, when they're building the nuke, like, it's funny, like, what did I say? That Tenet is, like, a spiritual prequel slash sequel <laughs> to Oppenheimer, if you think about it. Yeah. Like, what did I say? That Tenet takes place in the same universe, and, like, the post credit <laughs> scene of Tenet, or of Oppenheimer, is going to be David John David Washington coming back <laughs> from the future to the past and saying, I don't know. This is the detritus of a coming war. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Go see Avatar. Go see it. Take yeah. your friends. Take your family. I think this movie is for everybody. Yeah. And see it in a theater because. <laughs> yeah. Um, much like the first one, like this is something that needs to be experienced, you know, in a theater. Again, I'm going to highly recommend the 3D mm-hmm. um, again, which is not something I thought I'd ever say again after the first movie because, you know. Many have tried since since, <laughs> since the first Avatar. Many have failed, and uh, again, the 3D aspect of it is is necessary. Yeah, in my opinion, the best part is when you don't feel it. That's when, like, yep. it, that's like anything. Again, you don't yeah. feel it. Once you don't, you feel, don't it feel it, that's when you know it's pretty good. Yeah, totally agree. Um, so uh, that's what we just wanted to come on and chat a little bit about what we experienced. Uh, so I was immersed, James Cameron. Thank you. Yeah, for real. My legs were immersed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My legs were atrophied by the time I, I stood up, but it was worth it. It was very worth it. And uh, so look forward to this coming out relatively soon after we record it. And look forward to our regular Avatar full review discussion and many, many other things uh, regularly on this coming Wednesday. Um you can follow us at Project INF underscore pod. You can follow us on Facebook. You can follow us on Instagram. At the Project Infinite Pod. Thank you very much. You can listen to this and every other episode on Spotify, Apple, uh, Amazon, where Pandora. Pando- Pandora. <laughs> literally and metaphorically and metaphysically after this movie. Yeah, so... Uh, we'll just be- connect to AWA and then you can listen to the podcast. <laughs> like, we're just ingrained in, in AWA. We'll be back later in the week for our full review on Avatar as well as all the news, most of the news of the week, including... Oh, including boy, a, boy a, is there news. A tumultuous... Uh, and ever... We thought we were done with the tumultuous periods at DC, but uh turns out we weren't. So we'll talk about they bu- that. They dropped the biggest one of, of anything. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about that. Uh, and Avatar, obviously. Way of the water. Until then, goodbye. Peace.